0: Welcome to the Donut Racing Show, where we bring a 16-year-old babysitter mindset to the 4 and a pair having podium of Formula One Racing. Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. Movie title from 1991. 6.3 on IMDb. My name is Nolan Sykes. Why do I know that title? Why like do you one? know that? It's not a very good movie, apparently. And Why do you know it's, the it's, IMDb rating? It's lived rating. on, because uh, I Googled it. Anyway, okay. my <laughs> name is Nolan Sykes. That other voice you heard is Alanis King. Hi! And Elizabeth Blackstock is here. Hello. Like they are every week. They're the authors of Racing with Rich Energy. Buy the book.
3: How's it going,
0: Nolan? (laughs) Uh, I'm great. I'm back. Uh, I was in Atlanta last week. Uh, Missed the show. Missed you guys. Uh, Can't tell you what we were shooting, but you guys will know it when you see it. Actually, I can't tell you one thing we shot. We shot with a very, very big pickup truck. Like, ooh. it's a pickup truck based on like a dump truck chassis that's sick look out for that in the coming weeks
3: nolan i thought you were in the middle of the desert on another soul search
0: i mean i found my soul in atlanta i think that's incredible
3: i'm so happy. atlanta
0: great city uh i'll be back there in a couple weeks i'll tell you when i can i guess i'll tell you why (laughs) that one i can tell you but not yet
3: i spent the weekend doing yard work And I have terrible allergies and here I am sounding Mm -hmm. like I have allergies. So it's really beautiful that we have editing in this podcast because every five seconds I'm going to lean away from the microphone and sneeze and you don't get to hear that.
0: That's the kind of effort we put in for our listeners. Thank you so much for listening.
3: (laughs) In today's episode, we are going to talk about the Azerbaijan Grand Prix and there is a lot to cover.
0: Not a very eventful race this weekend, but a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that we'll, we'll get into.
3: It's funny that what was supposed to be like the first really busy weekend of the year with so much going on and the sprint races and the sprint shootout and everything ended up being such a dud. If the racing product is bad, you can't just fix it by putting more racing That's not how it works. Statistically, if we race more, more. It's just going to be more bad.
0: (laughs) I think in the past, I've been like a Baku kind of defender. Yeah, uh, I actually kind of like
2: this track because it is crazy.
0: There's been a couple good races there, I think. Was it last season or 2021 where we saw Sebastian Vettel almost go for the win? I remember that being very exciting. that. That was a very exciting race.
3: The track itself, if you pay really close attention to what's going on, it is quite interesting to watch the individual cars take corners because like, Mm -hmm. they'll take a corner and they'll be so close to the wall and you'll see them get a little out of shape and stuff like that. The problem is that for me, this race started at 6 a.m. and there is no way... I am going to watch what the individual cars are doing and how close they are to the wall. I'm sitting there in a trance.
0: It's pretty early. That's why I didn't watch this race live. I watched it last night when I got home from uh, San Diego. And I'm really glad that I didn't wake up at four in the morning to watch it. Because that would have been a poor use of my time.
3: I can (laughs) confirm.
2: We have a whole new format this year for the sprint races and sprint qualifying. The F1 Commission announced that updated weekend schedule like two to three days ahead of the start of the weekend for the Baku Grand Prix. By now, I'm sure you've all seen the new sprint shootout as well as the Grand Prix. But just for a quick little refresher, it is helpful to cover because I freaking love explaining rules. (laughs) So Friday, you have FP1 like normal, followed by qualifying For the race. So that qualifying on Friday determines the grid order for the Grand Prix on Sunday. Then on Saturday, you just kind of tucked in there, you have your first ever sprint shootout, which is a qualifying essentially for just the sprint race. And the sprint race took place later in the day. Okay. That shootout took the place of FP2 that we used to have last year. And that little sprint shootout had three stages segmented into 12 minute, 10 minute, and eight minute runs. So, pretty much the same as normal qualifying, but just a little bit shorter.
3: Yes. And, like, the weird thing about it is you have a normal qualifying Q1, Q2, Q3. Now we have SQ1, SQ2, SQ3. It sounds like a bunch of Audi models. like (laughs) Literally, yeah. And it's just basically shortened versions of Q1, Q2, and Q3. And I think this addressed the complaint of a lot of people did not like how the sprint race, what you did was... You had normal qualifying that set the grid for the sprint race. And then the results of the sprint race set the grid for the race. And people were like, we don't like that because it just puts the people in the spot that they're going to be in when the race goes anyway. So, like, Mm -hmm. let's say Max Verstappen had a bad qualifying run. By the end of the sprint, he's going to be in first anyway. So there is no mix up. You have all the excitement during the sprint. So, this sprint shootout, having two separate qualifying sessions, one that determines the sprint and one that determines the race, they're two separate events, that fix that.
0: I mean, it fixes it, but it also makes it kind of confusing again. It makes it more complicated and honestly, kind of signals to me that the sprint format is probably on its way out if we're trying to get to this level because I don't see this lasting longer than like two seasons, to be honest. Like, it's it's just so complicated and doesn't add anything for me like qualifying can be almost more exciting than the race itself mm-hmm. it's so much fun to watch the knockout kind of format that they have I'd 100% rather see that than a sprint race I don't care about the sprint races
2: yeah but now you get two qualifyings and the end the sprint race but also you can you just don't have to it's watch just that it's like one. what
0: it's like who cares <laughs>
2: the problem I was having with it was like Saturday has no point now mm-hmm. um And a lot of people were upset as well, because if you go to the track and you work a day job, the chances of you attending on Friday are pretty slim. Unless you've taken that day off work, you're much more likely to do a Saturday, Sunday kind of deal. If you do qualifying on Friday, that totally removes one of the most interesting parts of the weekend for people who want to go to the track and see that happen.
0: Exactly. So it takes away any consequence from that sprint race.
2: I have a proposal to solve this, actually, Oh, Oh, okay. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Friday, you have practice. Then you have sprint shootout qualifying. You have your shootout then. You go into the next day. You have your sprint race. And then you end the day with qualifying for the race. Then you go into the race on Sunday.
0: I like it. I think that's fine.
3: I think everybody's going to dislike changes to a format. It'll be very interesting to see what Formula One does because... Like if you take other racing series, let's just say when NASCAR did its new championship format, it did a knockout format. Everybody was like, "What is going on?" It still exists. Like they have not mm-hmm. gone back on that. So you have to wonder if Formula One's just going to be like, "Whatever, we make the rules. You watch it."
0: <laughs> yeah, if it ends up making the the sport more money, then it'll stay. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's it's weird. Anyway. Uh, to honor this slightly confusing order of events, we're going to talk about what happened in qualifying before we get into the sprint shootout and sprint race. Okay, So Q1 featured a quick red flag thanks to Alpha Tower's Nick DeVries after he took it a little too hot into a corner and into the wall. Alpine's Pierre Gasly pulled pretty much the same move about three minutes later and had to drop. He qualified P19, which was especially sad since his car caught fire the day before. Williams' Logan Sargent progressed from Q1 for the first time with a strong run to P11 just in front of fellow rookie McLaren's Oscar Piastri. Nice job, Logan.
3: Florida man does it again.
0: Logan Hunter.
3: (laughs) I think Pierre's entire weekend in Baku was just like payback for making all of us extremely uncomfortable because he did this video with F1 and they were like, what's an embarrassing nickname you've had and Pierre says, <laughs> yeah. tripod. And everybody yeah. was like, what? <laughs> Why did so you say So that?
0: embarrassing.
3: That's not embarrassing. That's just a flex.
0: That must be so rough, dude.
3: Sorry, Pierre. Think before you speak next time. Q2 was relatively uneventful, although Lewis Hamilton edged out his Mercedes teammate, George Russell, for that last spot in Q3. And then we got this wonderful quote from George, which was, Oh, sugar. <laughs> he was, yeah. He's, he's a cartoon
2: character. He's a Midwest mom who stubbed her toe in church. Is he <laughs> committing to the bit or does he actually act like this? I feel like he's he knows that he's doing it and he's leaning in. It's sort of like Daniel Ricardo had his goofy persona. And then when he started to become known for it, he just leaned into it harder. I think we're seeing that with George
3: and his like colonial chic Midwest mom <laughs> attitude that he's got going on. Oscar Piastri had a decent run that got him into the final round. Q3, we love that. But Q3 was exciting. Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc, they posted matching lap times right out of the gate. But by the end, Charles Leclerc beat out Max and got his first pole position of 2023. And when we see Charles Leclerc and his Ferrari on pole, the only thing we can logically think is what is going
2: to go wrong? Obviously, that's the high point. It's all downhill from there. Let's talk about the sprint race. The starting grid was determined by the new sprint shootout. So here's qualifying again, number two. Q1 saw Williams Logan Sargent crash with less than a minute left, so that ended up taking him out of the sprint altogether. His previous day's wonderful performance meant absolutely nothing now. Q2 saw Lewis Hamilton actually call over a photographer to grab a tear-off off off his car beforehand, uh, which was kind of cute. Apparently everyone knows who that photographer is, and he's a really wonderful person that is beloved in the paddock. I don't know who he is. I've never met him, but uh, <laughs> Carlos signs locked up, took the emergency road for a hot second, but he got back out there and Q3 ended with Charles Leclerc securing pole for the sprint with both Red Bulls behind him.
3: I think I saw the stat that he's the first driver to have two F1 poles in a single weekend. And I just love yeah. how when like the rules mm. change, we have new records. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just like... You can get two poles in one weekend, and Charles Leclerc.
0: The first time it could happen is also when he gets the record, <laughs> so there's no chance of it ever being broken. It's kind of interesting, I guess, but ultimately a stat that's kind of meaningless because it can't uh-huh. be done again. I don't know. Great job to Charles. You know, we love to see our, our boy our boy winning, or winning pole.
3: He's fast for a lap, and then the race starts.
0: The sprint race kind of set the tone for the weekend you know we saw a battle between max and george and then that was kind of it and then we saw a big drs pass on the straight for the lead Checo passes charles that ferrari just does not have the beans to fight against that red bull unfortunately
2: it was kind of embarrassing it was the saddest thing i've ever seen To see how fast the Red Bull flew by that Ferrari. Like, I know consciously the Ferrari isn't fast,
3: but just seeing that was like, yeah, it was really rough. And I just, I love the phrase, have the beans, because when I think of a Ferrari, I think that is like a bunch of beans just wrapped in paint
0: yeah and so it doesn't
3: have the beans but perhaps it It is one big pile of beans because it doesn't do anything else
0: it doesn't but you know what i think ferrari might have a good chance when we go to kind of like a shorter track a mid-range track like hungary uh where outright top speed isn't the most important factor you know it doesn't have a super long straight like baku so we didn't really have a ferrari meltdown this weekend their car seems to be in pretty good shape. I think going further into the season on some of these shorter tracks, we might see we might see Ferrari actually fight for the win here.
3: You know where I think we'll see Ferrari fight for the win, Nolan? Our hearts? No, wherever uh, the Red Bulls take each other out on the first lap.
0: Fair, sure. And we might see that. Any, was there anything else from the sprint race you guys wanted to talk about?
3: There was a lot of discussion about um, George Russell and Max Verstappen's little, like, argument they had. Like, oh, George yeah. Russell was like, I didn't do anything on purpose. I had no grip, and I was locking up. And Max was like, we all have no grip. Give me space. And everybody yeah. was like, Max, of all people to say give me space, like, is it you?
0: <laughs> it was a classic case of of Max being correct, I think, but also because it was coming from Max, nobody wanted to take him seriously on that. Yes. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and then the other interesting thing that happened in the sprint race was that Charlotte Claire saw a cat on the track. Oh, no. And th- the cat was, like, out of the way as far as I know, um, but he, t- he sent a radio message and said something about the cat and everyone thought he said cut and so, like, they're on the broadcast and they're like, "What's what cut? What cut? A tire? It's like <laughs> is something cutting out? Is the engine cutting out? What's going on? And he was just talking about a cat.
0: so a little kitty cat.
3: I mean, it's Ferrari. It's Ferrari. And you know, who had a Ferrari esque weekend?
1: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done. Well, I absolutely love this because you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well,
3: Weekend for Alpha Tower was really interesting. Yuki had a lot going on. In the sprint race, he had minor contact with Nick DeVries and then. That damaged his car and ultimately led to him clipping the wall at turn 14, where he lost his rear tire. And that is where we got what we thought would be the most iconic image of the weekend, which was Yuki driving away and his tire just behind him. It looked like the the movie poster for the movie Rubber, if anyone's ever seen that movie. <laughs> oh Has anybody ever seen Rubber about the killer tire? I'm
0: familiar with it. I haven't seen it, but I know, I know what you're I'm talking about. I'm familiar
3: with it. I haven't seen it either. My husband says it's like the worst movie of all time. I kind of want to watch it. I love stuff like that. But anyway. Anyway, it's just like killer tire is in the foreground of this photo, and there's the car driving away. So it did we have so a vir-
2: well. It kept like it just kept going and
3: going. And I was like, is it going to finish the race? So we have a virtual safety car, then we have a safety car, and then we have to go clean out the debris on the track and everything like that. Yuki pits, and the team tries to fix his car. Then they send him back out, and they send him back out. And this car, it kind of looks like it's doing crab mode on the new GMC Hummer mm. EV, except yeah. crab mode isn't working. So yeah. it's just like. It like, had like a Jeep death rattle going on to it. Yes, yeah. it was it did. not great. And so the FIA was like, you can't send that car out like that. We are fining you €5,000 for putting Yuki out there in an unsafe condition.
0: Which, That's not very much.
3: Yeah. So then we get to the Grand Prix. Sprint's over. Yuki gets to, like, breathe, collect his thoughts. Then we have the Grand Prix. Yuki had a decent race. He finished in the points with a 10th place. He gets one point, which brings Alpha Towery to two points in the Constructors' Championship. Double those points. That's crazy, Yuki. Um, So now they're in ninth. Just a reminder, they finished last season in ninth. Uh And then in 2021, they finished in sixth. The 2022 regulations has not been kind to Alpha Towery. Like things have not been going great. (laughs) And then we have Nick DeVries, our guy Nick. Um, He crashed at turn three in Q1. That brought out a quick red flag, and the commentators called it a rookie mistake from a rookie. So (laughs) Nick DeVries starts at the back of the grid, and his race did not go much better. By lap 11, he went straight at turn six, and he could not get going again. He admitted in a post race interview that it was his fault. And he clipped the wall, and then the safety car came out. And then as for the sprint, we already mentioned there was that little love tap between Yuki and Nick DeVries. But otherwise, he finished p 14 in that race. So they had a whole thing. There was one point in the weekend where Yuki was talking about the contact he had in the sprint race. And everybody was like, who was the contact with? And he was like, I am not going to say that right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, what is going on? Like, we can just watch the video. They had a weird weekend. I feel so bad for Nick DeVries. I think he, there was a lot of pressure on
2: him. I know that I had high hopes that he would be the rookie of the year just because he does, in fact, have a world championship with Formula E. Uh, but, oh, honey, like what? <laughs> what happened? I
0: don't know. But I mean, We saw that awesome performance from him at Monza when he drove for Williams, you know, standing in for Alex Albon. So I think that kind of put like a lot of Expectations. I, I certainly I was like, damn, this kid's good. Like, we're going to see some stuff from him. But it's possible it that was, like, the, the, the car itself is also might be holding him back a little bit. We don't know.
2: I got similar vibes to his, his performance last year that I did when George Russell got called up from uh, Williams into the Mercedes when yeah. Lewis Hamilton had COVID. Mm-hmm. And it and was like one almost one. Such an impressive drive has not been able to really recreate that sense. I. Um, I think like sometimes you're just driving to save your career and like guarantee that you've got somewhere I mean, to go. Yeah, and that gives you a little bit of extra juice to keep like to do that extra bit. I
0: think you're but- absolutely right. You know, you get that call up and you get that a- adrenaline. You, you, mm-hmm. you know, your 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 sails are full of wind, uh, and you get <laughs> you, and you accomplish stuff like that. You know, but like now that we're what four races in now. And, you know, you're in the machinery, you're you're dealing with the bureaucracy, it's, it's your day job now, it might be a little harder to have those full sale moments.
3: My alternative suggestion is, what if it is not always them? What if it is our perception of what's happening? So hear me out. Okay. George Russell gets in the Mercedes, has a great run. We're like, wow, George. Nick DeVries gets in the Williams, has a great run. We're like, wow, Nick. But then when they become a regular part of whatever context we're seeing them in, we Mm -hmm. start to look at them in a more critical light. So let's just take, for example, Kimi Raikkonen goes to Coda, runs the NASCAR race. He finishes 29th. No one bats an eye at that. They're just like, oh, that's cool. Kimi Raikkonen ran a NASCAR race. If Kimi Raikkonen ran the full NASCAR schedule within five weeks, everyone would be like, oh, this guy's washed up. He finished this and this and this. We're so much more critical when it becomes a regular mm-hmm. aspect of our lives, like totally. Nick DeVries in a car or George in a Mercedes. We're so much more critical because had George gotten in that Mercedes back when Lewis had COVID and not almost won the race, we still would have been like, oh, that was kind of cool. Good for him. Yeah. We wouldn't have been totally. as critical. It's not,
0: it's not like a new exciting thing anymore. Exactly. From the goodness of my heart, I'm still willing to give Nick Devries a chance, you know, and that's just because I'm such a gracious person.
2: Absolutely.
0: So, <laughs> but for I real think, though, I like, I think
2: he'll be all right. Like,
0: yeah, exactly. He'll be fine. He's at Alpha Towery, okay. Cut the kid some slack. He looks like so he's true. from recess. So true. <laughs> Nick Devries, I I, I want to apologize. That was that was too much. I was <laughs> I, I was mean for no reason i'm sorry like i look like i'm human. i look like human shrek so i can say that okay i just want
3: nolan what
0: <laughs> i look like human shrek especially when i shave when i shave it's definitely very <laughs> shrek too. great great move best of the series check it out it's the best one it's the best one puss in, puss in boots last wish I didn't really like that much. Great visuals. The story just wasn't there for me, though. Anyway.
3: So, all of these incidents at Alpha Towery and whatever <laughs> just happened with Nolan, all of these come at a time when we're seeing some big change up in the upper management at Alpha Towery. So, AlphaTauri's team principal, Franz Tost, is leaving the team and will will be replaced by Laurent McKees, who is currently the assistant team principal and race director at Ferrari. Hmm. Tost is 67 years old, and he's one of F1's longest-serving bosses. He started in 2000 when he followed Ralph Schumacher to Williams, and he'll be leaving at the end of the season, but will stay on in a consultancy role for 2024. We also have former FIA F1 executive director Peter Bayer, who is set to be AlphaTauri's new CEO. A statement from AlphaTauri read very warmly and personably, aimed at securing long-term stability and ensuring continuity. Scuderia AlphaTauri today announces that a new senior management structure is to be put in place at the team.
0: All right. Well, sounds like they're uh, they're trying to... Maybe remedy their performance by switching up the managers a little bit. Maybe it's not Maybe just the car. Maybe they should switch but, up the car. Well, the car, yeah. But <laughs> the car is a product of managers, you know?
2: Oh, for sure. I have a conspiracy. Let's go. I love conspiracies. There was a lot of talk, actually, at the start of the season that Red Bull was pursuing sale of AlphaTauri. And France Toss came out against it multiple times and was saying, like, no, that's actually not happening. Uh, and I like, obviously, he was the spokesperson for the team, so he would say that. But now I find it very interesting that he is out of that role and suddenly like maybe the conversations mm. have changed. So keep an eye on that. I I personally am very interested to see how that comes
3: and turns out.
0: Porsche F1, Ford F1, Audi F1.
3: Wouldn't that be so funny? Porsche F1, but it's spelled like P-O-R-T-I-A.
0: Like your cat? Yeah.
3: yeah. The Porsche F1 team. Oh, It'd be
0: a beautiful. Hoot.
3: It would be a hoot. <laughs> this weekend also doubled
2: down on something we've been seeing all year, which is Aston Martin's wonderful teamwork between its drivers. I think maybe this this has to be... I Not maybe. This was the my favorite part of the whole weekend. Uh, oh, yeah. Everybody's. Yeah. So on lap six, Lance Stroll came over the radio and said, Fernando, I will not attack. We're both playing the same game. So they relay this message over to Fernando. The team does. And Fernando says, he can have a go, eh? I think Hamilton is degrading, and it's a matter of time before we take them. So basically, let Hamilton destroy his tires. Then we attack, which, of course, that's that's what Alonso does. That's his thing. But I do love that he was just like, but why
3: aren't we? Why, are, why, why isn't Lance trying to have a little go? What happens if Lance has a little go and they end up wrecking? Does Fernando go, eh, we had a little go? Or does he get mad? I think at this point, Fernando doesn't care, um,
2: honestly. Do you, Fernando? No, I mean, I'm torn. Okay, I'm torn on that. Part of me thinks he's checked out enough. Like, he's already being like, yeah, Lance, overtake me. Maybe he'd be like, this is a little learning experience. Children, sit down. Let me regale you with tales of my youth. Oh.
0: (laughs) I think he's getting that that fat check from uh, Daddy Stroll. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Who's like... Probably hired him to be like, Hey, can you please teach my my son how to be a world champion? He's like the tutor, you know. Hmm. So so I mean he's still got the juice, as we've established in previous episodes. He's got the juice. He could win it again if he had the right car, but he's also in a more mentor role, you know.
3: Elizabeth, didn't you have a conspiracy about this? I do, I do actually have a conspiracy about this. Let's go.
2: For those of you who are not familiar, at the 2008 Singapore Grand Prix, we we had something called Crashgate, where Renault asked Nelson Piquet Jr. to intentionally crash into the wall so that it would bring out a safety car and his teammate, Fernando Alonso, would gain some positions and ultimately win the race. The team was penalized. Everyone was mad. I think it's happening again. I think we're seeing Fernando Hmm. buttering up the team like helping Lance so that when it comes time where something happens and Fernando needs a sacrificial lamb, Mm -hmm. Lance is right there and they'll be able to be like, well, Fernando's helped you all season. Why don't you just help him out? Hit the wall a little. Yeah. Just, just park it on. You don't even have to hit the wall. Just park it on track of a sacrificial Lance. A
0: A sacrificial (laughs)
2: Lance.
0: (laughs) Sacrificial Lance. Do you think that teams have like a secret code that uh Absolutely. they can broadcast they to. to the yeah, where it's like they ex- execute to. order sixty six and then they go and crash. Mm-hmm. Well, in
3: so like when it comes to pit stops in racing series, like different teams will have different calls for what they're gonna do. So in a series like NASCAR, so Formula One, you take all four tires and they're all the same compound. In NASCAR, you have a dry tire and a wet tire basically. And your dry tires all the same. So you could change two if you want. You could change all four. You can do fuel only. Like there are a lot of different things you could do. So there will be different code words for this code word. We're going to take two tires. This code word, we're going to take four. This code word, we're going to do fuel only. So yeah, I mean, they definitely talk about this and have code words over the radio. So they're not just like, hey, hit the wall. And like one of the few examples I have heard of this not happening became like, Really famous There was one point at which Chad Canals Comes over the radio to Jimmy Johnson After he wins a race and he says Back it into the wall Jimmy before we go Through tech because I want you to bend up The car
0: maybe it's like Fernandez on the radio and he's like It's a nice day for a stroll yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs>
0: And then that's when they're like that's when Lance is like uh,
2: This is going for a Sunday stroll
0: Yeah let's go for a Sunday stroll and then Two laps later Lance is backing It in uh, to the wall
2: no one would even blink at that because everyone's expecting this from Lance. Everyone's just like, Lance hits the wall. Yeah, we got it. No one's thinking, "What a, let's review and see what the code word was.
0: Maybe Fernando's like, hey, I want I want a lamb skewer for dinner after the race. <laughs> and that's, that's, how, that's how Aston Martin knows that Lance has to be the sacrificial lamb.
3: Nolan's doing code words for teams and like code phrases. And yeah, one of his phrases yeah. is, Lance, you look like a real wreck out there today. Yeah, 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 five seconds later, Lance wrecks
0: into something. There you go. It's 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 easy. People will never know.
3: Well,
2: Fernando did not just have a little like, hey, he can pass me. Fernando also was coming up with break balance suggestions for Lance and came on the radio at lap 19 to offer his suggestions and ask about what, you know, whether or not Lance has taken his suggestions regarding the brake balance. So I thought that was pretty, that was pretty cute. Like not only is he engineering his own car while he's driving, he's also doing it for his teammate.
0: Keeps putting that butter on that biscuit, you know?
2: Uh, (laughs) So when we have, when, when Singapore comes around, you just keep Uh your eye out. It's time. Yeah. But Fernando also had some incredible moves this, this weekend. Uh, we had a safety car in the race that ended on around lap 13 and alonso just flew past carlos signs in one of the coolest riskiest most awesome moves i think i've seen at turn 6 uh it was beautiful and on lap 38 alonso came on the radio to ask how many laps and heard that it's 14 laps which alonso said good number let's go for it because that is his number which i thought was it was cute <laughs> Uh, he ultimately did not end up passing Charles Leclerc, but he did put up a solid fight and set fastest lap uh, on lap forty nine. So good for you, Fernando! And he finished fourth, and Stroll finished seventh. So honestly, like that's that's a pretty solid day considering that you know we were looking at their competition as being like McLaren and McLaren. Yeah. McLaren's done
3: some things. What's so funny to me is Fernando Alonso is currently third in the driver standings, and Charles Leclerc is down in six.
0: Yeah. This poor man. Oof.
3: That's bad news bears. That's what it is. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) Checo had a great weekend, whereas Pierre, the tripod ghastly, had a truly horrible one. Checo, you know he won that sprint race and the Grand Prix, which makes him the first ever driver to win multiple Azerbaijan Grand Prix. he won in 2021 a big factor for Checo's win was when the safety car came out just as his teammate Max Verstappen was pitting and then Checo went in during that safety car which gave Checo an advantage you know he got basically got a free pit stop and didn't lose a position good for him uh, Max was forced to overtake one Charles Leclerc and then could not catch Checo Due to balance issues in his car. He just didn't have the right setup that he wanted. Yeah. Also, this is just a tough course to to pass on. It's really only on that main straight is where you're going to basically get a guaranteed pass for Red Bull. Checo also hit the barriers at the exit of turn 15 on lap 34 and later said he was lucky to get away with it. When asked how hard he hit the wall, Perez replied, really hard. I had a little bit of luck, especially with that right front tire that it didn't blow up. All of them were drifting around some of these 90 degree turns, which was actually pretty entertaining to watch and made me kind of wish that the tires were a little skinnier on these things so we could see that more often be a lot harder, of course. But uh, it was pretty sweet. I loved it.
2: I was going to say, like, that was such a this track is so cool to see the cars on. And when it puts on a good race, it's a really good race. But sometimes it's just
3: awful. Like sometimes it's just a slog. No, I totally agree. Like, I think this is a good track, and it's a very entertaining track. We just did not have a great showing this
2: no,
0: weekend. They can't all be zingers, you know?
3: There was a a theory that a lot
2: of people had posited that if the Formula 2 race is exciting, the Formula 1 race will be boring and vice versa. <laughs> so the Formula 2 race this weekend had, like, cars on top of each other and all sorts of nonsense going on. Oh, wow. So... When I woke up on the, in, the, in the morning, I was like, ah, I see. It's going to be one of those days.
0: <laughs> Checo uh, picked up 33 out of the possible 34 points across the weekend, uh, including eight for his sprint race win. And now he's only six points behind Verstappen for the WDC, the World Drivers' Championship. Look, we got to have some boring ones to kind of fill in that point count otherwise known as the scoreboard uh (laughs) uh i think we got something percolating here guys i think we're gonna have a little we're gonna have a little showdown at Uh, the end of the season here's the
3: question though is red bull gonna allow us to have a showdown so are we gonna have like a nico rosberg lewis hamilton 2016 thing where mercedes was just like yeah dudes do your thing go for it whoever wins wins or is red bull gonna be like "Checo"?
0: No, I think we've got a couple more races for that to kind of shake out one because Red Bull is they're in their own lane right now. And I think Red Bull, despite their eccentricities and James Bond villain kind of energy, I do think they want to go racing at the end of the day. And it's already decided now that Max and, and Sergio, they're only racing each other. So I do think that they they would let it happen.
3: I don't think you're wrong. I don't think you're wrong either. I just like, I do wonder how it's going to play out. And I will be very interested to see how especially Christian Horner reacts. If they do end up being neck and neck for this title, it'll be really interesting to see how Christian Horner handles it because his entire thing up until this point has been Checo knows his role on this team. Mm -hmm. Checo knows his role. He knows what he's supposed to do here. But what happens when he's in the hunt? Mm -hmm. Hmm. I was going to say, and it's
2: not like Max is achieving his first championship. Like He's not going to be breaking any records with this one, so it's not like they have that added incentive to give him the bonus as long as the team is 1-2 at the end of the day. I don't know that it necessarily matters.
0: I can't wait for the Mexican Grand Prix. If if they're still pretty close in points by Mexico, that's going to be a dope race. People are going to be going nuts. I love it. On the other side of the coin,
3: Oh, Pierre
0: go. Tripod Gasly, most embarrassing nickname ever, uh, he had a, a very bad weekend, a horrible weekend. As we mentioned before, his car caught fire during practice, then he hit a wall in Q1 at turn three during qualifying, so he started the race at the back of the grid. The sprint race did not do him any favors either. He finished the sprint in P13, and he fared even worse during the Grand Prix, finishing in an astonishing 14th place for alpine pretty bad alpine also pulled a ferrari move uh stebby was on his way to the pits on the very last lap of the race he hadn't pitted the whole grand prix and would have been disqualified for not using both tire compounds meanwhile though a whole bunch of photographers and staff were standing in the fast lane of the pit lane because they didn't know that he was coming Dude, in.
2: It was the end of the race. No one ever pits that way.
0: Yeah. Ocon said, quote, scary moment at the end in the pit lane. Glad no one was hurt, but we must ensure things like that don't happen again. I don't even know if I'd put that on Alpine. I don't know if I'd call that a Ferrari moment. I think it was just like everybody had forgotten about Ocon.
3: You know what, Stebby? We don't forget about you. We really like you. We um,
0: love Stebby here on the show. But man, that was a scary little, that little moment. That was
3: terrifying. Like that
2: I- woke me right up.
0: Yeah. Ted Kravitz going crazy in the booth. Yeah.
3: Shambles, yeah. shambles,
2: shambles, shambles.
0: Yeah. I thought we were going to see some people go down.
3: I think there were two things at play here. So, one, Esteban Ocon goes this whole race without pitting. And mm-hmm. like Nolan said, there's a rule on the dry compounds. If you're running dry compounds, you got to run two, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. if it's a dry race, you have to pit and change a compound. Yes. So... We're at the very last lap of this race, which we saw this happen with Alex Albon. Um, was it last year or two years ago, something like that? He went to the very end of the mm-hmm. race before he switched tires.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Here's Esteban Ocon at the end of the race. These tires should not last that long. Just like in my opinion, good racing. A very big factor in that is tire fall off, and I get it. Like the tire manufacturers, there, there are like two things at play here, and. One is tire fall off makes good racing. The other is tire fall off could be seen as bad for our brand. Because yeah. like our tire It tires- could also be dangerous. Yes, exactly. It can also be so like there are multiple things at play there, but this tire compound should not last the whole race. Like that just shouldn't be a thing because what are we watching if the tire compound yeah. lasts the whole race? I mean,
0: it's tough because they're racing on city streets, which are already super smooth. Um, so it's it's hard for these manufacturers to get that right.
3: And the other thing that's at play here is, why are people on a hot pit lane? And I don't think it's those people's fault. So like photographers, they have been out around the course, like taking photos all day. They, they're they probably not up to date on the fact that Esteban Ocon has not pitted yet. Mm. They're just, they have gone to where they're supposed to be to capture the end of the race and capture the cars coming into Park Firme. Like that's fine. They're there for a reason and they have been instructed to go out there. That's not their fault. That is whoever made this decision to let anybody on a hot pit lane. Because yeah. at the end of the day, even if everyone has already pitted, it doesn't matter if a person is still out there about to dive into the pits, something could happen. There could be a wreck or a mechanical mm-hmm. failure or something could be going wrong and someone could be diving into the pits before this race ends. So if the track is still hot, pit lane is still hot and people should not be out there, bottom line. Like, why are they out there? Yeah, I think that was the thing that bothered me the most because It's
2: such a a little oversight, but it could have such dangerous repercussions. Like, yeah, you know, you can be lax about it because no one, you know, no one ever pits at the last lap. And so we don't have to worry about anything. We can all come out here and gather. it looked like they were gathering around the area where the the cars, the top three were going to stop. Um, Like, yeah, you can do that. No big deal. This has never been an issue before. But now today, actually, it's an issue. Like, I think it just raises The concerns that like just get kind of glossed over that we don't like motor racing is still very dangerous and it's easy to take it for granted that it isn't anymore because we've made such progress in the last like 10, 15 years um, that like you don't really have to think about it anymore, but it's still it's still it's still not great. That's a car coming at you very fast made out of sharp pointy bits Mm -hmm. like that wouldn't have been good for anyone.
0: Yeah.
3: I very vividly remember um, I don't remember how many years ago it was, but Mark Martin was in a NASCAR race and he lost control and he went toward pit road and he actually ended up hitting one of the garage openings oh, wow. on the NASCAR track and it went into the side of his car and like stabbed his car. But the thing was his car was so out of control that he was going full speed down pit road. And had anybody been there at that opening, like I th- I think people did scatter, but had anyone been there, they would have gotten hit. And so like a formula one track is different. Obviously you have a wall between the track and pit lane, but still, like, things can happen. Cars can be going fast and lose control and just slide into crowds of people. You have to be safe. You cannot just have people on a hot track or on a hot pit lane. You have to wait until it's over.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we came very close to something very bad happening, and I'm glad that it didn't.
3: Let's just
2: sum up Baku. Uh, the podium was a Red Bull 1-2 of Sergio Perez and Max Verstappen with Fry Charles Leclerc in P3. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but when they were on the podium, um, Max and Charles, I believe, were in the wrong places, or they had the wrong flags above their heads. Um, Max
3: is like, sorry, I'm not used to being in
2: second or third. Exactly. (laughs) In fourth, you had Fernando Alonso, followed by Carlos Sainz, Lewis Hamilton, and Lance Stroll. In eighth place was George Russell, followed by a reinvigorated Lando Norris and Yuki Tsunoda to wrap up those final
3: points. Good for them. The fastest lap went to George Russell. That is the reason that Sergio Perez lost out on that last little that point, point he could have gotten. That one little point that went to George Russell. Driver of the day was our buddy Checo, and our DNFs were Nick DeVries and Joe Guanyu. You know what? I have a, I have a bold
2: prediction I'm going to make here about this race. All right. right. We're When we hit the end of the year, we're going to look back on this one and realize that this was probably the turning point Because of the fact that Checo got so many points this weekend and absolutely dominated when compared to Max, Mm -hmm. I think this is going to be a linchpin in whatever decisions that Red Bull has to make about who gets to be the lead driver on the team Mm -hmm. comes down to this boring ass race.
0: That's how it is sometimes. So just because there wasn't a lot of stuff going on on track doesn't mean that there's not a lot of stuff going off track. That that was the, beautiful, that's Nolan. the thesis for this show.
3: That could be a moral of the story in Shrek.
0: <laughs> it sure could.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's time for a boyfriend of the week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. Atlanta's boyfriend of the week is our weekly segment where we acknowledge who's the best. That's right. It can be anybody, uh, driver, team, uh, team principal someone online you know the drill my boyfriend of the week i think is a a a repeat boyfriend
3: oh mclaren
0: he's driven for mclaren okay fernando alonso uh you know Ah! just being being (laughs) the big bro the mentor just the guy showing lance the ropes and making sure the Lance family is happy with Aston Martin and 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 Lance's the Lance performance.
3: Family. <laughs> um,
0: the Lance Stroll Not family. The
3: Strollovich family. No, just the Lance family. The Lance family.
0: family. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, this is such a like the last this season has been f- so strange when looking at the rest of Fernando Alonso's career, just his temperament and mm-hmm. how he's just approached his relationship with this team. This is a man who's burned a lot of bridges in the past. And I think that's some I, am I wrong?
3: <laughs> I don't think No, know really you're not enough. wrong. I no, mean, <laughs> nah, that uh, dude is walking around with a box of matches.
0: So I think he's kind of realized that this is his last chance to not like
2: <laughs> I was, where else is he gonna go?
0: Truly. Um so yeah. That's growth. That shows that you can teach an older <laughs> dog new tricks. Okay, you can no, teach a. No, the assault. dog just
3: can't go anywhere because he burned every bridge. Yeah, but that's still he's learning a. Le-
0: he's still learning a lesson. The dog though.
3: isn't staying if the dog can't go anywhere.
0: Technically, he is though. <laughs> Fernando Alonso, keep it up, buddy. That's growth, man. I'm very, I'm proud of him. I am.
2: Wow. <laughs> My boyfriend of the week is Twitter user Marcus Nanini. Uh, who sent me the funniest edit I have ever seen. So I tweeted about Fernando basically adopting Lance and Sweet Marcus edited like a stock photo of a family where the <laughs> parents' heads were Fernando Taylor <laughs> Taylor Swift and the baby they're holding up is Lance. That was the highlight of my day. Every time like I just pull up Twitter to go look at that.
0: <laughs> That's great.
2: Thank you so much for that. If you have edits, please
3: please send them to me. It makes my life. My boyfriend of the week is also from Twitter. It's our dear friend Aaron. Aaron tweeted me out of nowhere and said, "At Donut Racing Show, thank you for not editing out Alana saying hello on the intro. It's oddly comforting, like Aww. in the '80s when your neighbor would bring over a bundt cake or Jello or something." Huh. Oh, that's cute. And you know what? Everyone on the internet all the time is so damn mean. Everybody's like, I don't like the pitch of your voice. I don't like that you're a lady. I don't like that you're this. You don't know this. And it's just like, we start an episode and I say, hi, and someone really likes it. And I appreciate that. Thank you, Aaron.
0: Yeah, thank you, Aaron.
3: (laughs) And thank you all for
2: listening to the Donut Racing Show. We'll be back next week to talk about the Miami Grand Prix. But before
3: we go, do you guys have any predictions? I believe it is going to be hot, and there is not going to be enough water, and everyone is going to be miserable. Is it going to sell out? Lot. Are
2: they going to are they going to have
3: tickets left? <laughs> Great question,
2: because they haven't yet.
0: I don't know. We don't, we've only had one Miami Grand Prix in the past. We had the fake yachts or the fake marina, all that stuff. But it was actually a pretty cool course, and I think. Uh, we're going to see that rivalry heat up a little bit, I think, between Sergio yeah. and Max is my prediction. I hope so. Yeah, I that's hope so, too.
2: One. I'm predicting that this year is going to be the turning point for the Miami Grand Prix in terms of it going downhill. Uh, so I oh. have an article on Jalofnik about this because I talked to a lot of fans who went and were very, very upset by the fact that their what they paid for tickets did not match their experience. Ooh. So Ooh. we will link to that. Go find it. And that's my prediction. This All is, right. This the beginning of the end you cannot throw something together and expect it to go well a parking lot has never worked for anything
3: <laughs> never no, 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 no. not even as a parking lot but you know what does work this show so make sure you subscribe tell all your friends to tune in and if you want to leave us a kindly worded review it really helps us out
0: yes it does Uh, If you're not familiar with Donut, we have a YouTube channel as well as an automotive history podcast called Past Gas. Please go check that out as well. I love doing podcasting. I love talking with you guys. Follow DRS on Twitter at Donut Racing Show. Follow Alanis at AlanisNKing on Twitter and Instagram. Follow Liz at Eliz underscore Blackstock on Twitter and Eliza Blackstock on IG. And follow me at Nolan J. Sykes on both. I mean, honestly, though, Twitter is kind of of flaming out right now. If you have a blue sky invite, (laughs) hit me up. All right. (laughs) So thanks for listening.
3: We will see you next week. Bye.